Good morning, saints of our Lord, and welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm your host, Brady Finnern, District President of the Minnesota North District of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Thank you for tuning us in this morning on Worldwide KFUO, Christ for you, anytime, anywhere. A blessed Pentecost season this Tuesday, July the 26th, as the light of Jesus continues to shine on us from Genesis chapter 41. This is one of the more fascinating continuations from chapter 40, as we talked about yesterday with Pastor Nick Koshman about interpretation of dreams. We have even more. As I mentioned yesterday, it is something that can lead us down a lot of rabbit holes, like hmm, I wonder what this dream means. What does this situation mean for this and for that? At the end of the day, once again, as Pastor and I talked about yesterday, it's like, well, we don't really know. However, it is our opportunity to see how God worked and also a reminder of how he continues to reveal himself by his word. So is it just a nice story? Absolutely not. It is something that not only shows us God, but it shows us Christ, and may we have the same today. So open up your Bibles, put on your Christ goggles, for the gifts are ready, ready for you. Thank you to our friends at Lutheran Heritage Foundation for your support of Thy Strong Word. Visit lhfmissions.org for more information, lhfmissions.org. Helping us to be strengthened by God's word this morning, we welcome back Pastor Matthew Tuman of Emmanuel Lutheran Church in Wapaton, North Dakota. Pastor Tuman, happy Pentecost, and welcome back to Thy Strong Word. Thank you. Good to be back. Yeah, Pastor, tell us what's going on for you and the saints at Emmanuel. Uh, well, uh, word and sacrament ministry, the word of God is getting out. People are hearing the word of God and receiving the forgiveness of sins. It's kind of what the church does and uh, what the Lord has given to us. So we have a few things going on. Um, uh, we're looking at uh, joining into a dual parish agreement with a small congregation close by us. So that's kind of been interesting, and, uh, and, and asking for the Lord's leading for that. You know what amazes me, and I love how you laid it out so beautifully when it comes to the church, is that a few weeks ago we had... Um, the national, actually almost a month ago, or I don't know what date it is anymore, a couple weeks ago, I'll say that, went to the National Youth Gathering. And I think I've mentioned this before, but you just said it so beautifully once again, is that you go to the National Youth Gathering and the last worship service, divine service with President Harrison was preaching and and the congregation sponsored it. And, and it was this beautiful divine service. And what amazed me is that you have all these people. Um, you have like 19,000 people together to receive the Lord's Supper, to hear the Word of God. And a lot of times we kind of like, wow, that's, that's really good. And that's amazing right there. And then you go back to your home church. And then you have like, for example, I've been preaching at a few churches that have 20 people on Sunday morning. Uh, 30, yeah. 40, 50. And the reality is it's the same Thing. I mean, it's so humbling to realize that the same thing is happening, as you said, forgiveness, life, and salvation given to sinful people, and that's exactly yep. what we need. Any thoughts on that, Pastor? Sometimes we get too excited about the big one and the small one, and we act as if it's different, but it's not. Yeah, I, it is not different, and the Lord gives us himself, and every person needs it. And wherever the church is gathered, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, uh, he comes and makes his dwelling. He comes and gives his gifts. And he's the gift-giving God. He's the one who is the host. We are the guest, and he uh, provides what we need. So, And he does it in small contexts and in big contexts, and we can rejoice. 
And thanks be to God for that. And this is a reminder for me today, for you, our listeners, to pray for congregations that are in dual parishes, um, tri-parishes, uh, part-time pastors, is because to be reminded of what Pastor just told us, that, that you know, the, the sinners need the, the gifts of Christ and our Lord continues to work through his church by the means of grace. And so to continue to pray for that, pray for Emmanuel as they look at this dual parish agreement of a, of a small congregation, simply for that reality that they receive the gifts of Christ. So, Pastor, on that note of prayer, um, can you begin our time as we study God's word in prayer? Well, let's pray. Father in heaven, we come before you, we give you thanks that you sent Jesus Christ, our Lord, our Savior, and that he came for a purpose, and that is to die on a cross to pay the price for our sins. We are also thankful that you give to us your Holy Spirit, and that by your Spirit we receive Jesus, the very Word of God, and we receive then the gift that he won on the cross. But we give thanks. This is your plan. This is the way you do things. And we are grateful for the way you have chosen to do it. Help us, Lord. Uh, to receive from you and to grow, mature in our faith, even today as we study the Word of God in this context. Help us, Lord, to learn and grow and mature in the faith that you have given to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. As you look at our text today, if you have any questions concerning Genesis chapter 41, send us an email, kfuo at kfuo.org, kfuo at kfuo.org. Pastor, as you, as you mentioned in your prayer, this is the, there's a context to everything we have. So as we come to chapter 41, what highlights do you want to give to us or context that will help us start off on the right foot this morning? Well, actually, it's quite a question. Uh, the context is obviously Joseph is in Egypt. And the whole story of how he got there is a pretty big deal. Um, it brings us to the point where we are at now, but it also comes to a culmination in Genesis chapter 50. And uh, we, we, we kind of have to have the way he got there and also uh, the end of the story in mind, I think, in order to really kind of keep this section in perspective. Uh, uh, the Lord's word, or excuse me, not, uh, Joseph's word mm -hmm. uh, at Genesis chapter 50. Um, uh, but Joseph said to them, do not fear, for I am, am I in the place of God? As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. And I think that that is a huge uh, thing to keep in perspective, that the Lord is at work um, bringing Joseph into Egypt. The Lord is at work in the context of this chapter um, where we see the dreams, where we see um, the Lord uh, providing uh, perspective on an upcoming uh, famine, but then also understanding that all of this um, uh, God is going to use for the good of his people. It is amazing to me how a major interpretive key for the last 13, 14 chapters of the whole book is the end. You almost have to go to the end and to hear those words in order to understand the rest. And Pastor, Absolutely. as you see this, this is important for us today as well, is um how do you say it? How do we look at that faithfully when he says, what you intended for evil, God used for good? 
we can misinterpret that too. So I'm just, oh my goodness. And and the end justifies a means or something. And we look at our own lives and then we say, well, you know, uh, da, 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 da. we can misinterpret it as well. So how would you encourage our listeners as we look at this in, in relation to our lives today? Any thoughts on that as, uh, as well, we live this life? Yeah, we, we ought to be very careful because sin is sin. Um, and we don't want to just dismiss sin and say, well, God will deal with it. Um, that is an incorrect view of our relationship with the Lord as God's children. Um, but we have to realize um, God's been doing that since sin started, since the Garden of Eden. Um, he has this, uh, this creation that he has made, and um, mankind is in it, and he made mankind special, and yet here they are in a sinful context, uh, doing sinful things, and uh, so what is he going to do? But he's going to enter into this sinful context and make changes and uh, bring uh, salvation to his people uh, and and work and work that out according to his will. So no, we don't want to dismiss any kind of sin, but we want to realize. The Lord is the one who's in charge, and he can make evil do what he wants it to do. He can make death do what he wants it to do, and, uh, and we can trust him uh, to do that. In the meantime, yes, as Christians, we want to live as children of God according to his will um, and asking the Lord at every step, Lord, teach us your ways and help us to live by them. As you said so beautifully, too, once again, I mean, this is all these nuggets, is how could you not think about the incarnation the way you spoke about our Lord Jesus? I mean, it just it just yeah. points us straight to that, how God intervenes here and how he intervenes in our lives through Christ. So I'm ready, Pastor, to uh, start digging in. You ready? Sure. All right, let's do it. We are reading from Genesis chapter 41, which will be our study today. We hear the word of God and we'll be reading from the English Standard Version. After two whole years, Pharaoh dreamed that he was standing by the Nile. And behold, there came up out of the Nile seven cows, attractive and plump, and they fed in the reed grass. And behold, seven other cows, ugly and thin, came up out of the Nile after them and stood by the other cows on the bank of the Nile. And the ugly, thin cows ate up the seven attractive plump cows. And Pharaoh awoke, and he fell asleep and dreamed a second time. And behold, seven ears of grain, plump and good, were growing on one stalk. And behold, after them sprouted seven ears, thin and blighted by the east wind. And the thin ears swallowed up the seven plump full ears. And Pharaoh woke, and behold, it was a dream. So in the morning his spirit was troubled, and he sent and called for all the magicians of Egypt and all its wise men. Pharaoh told them his dreams, but there was none who could interpret them to Pharaoh. Then the chief cupbearer said to Pharaoh, I remember my offenses today when Pharaoh was angry with his servants and put me and the chief baker in custody in the house of the captain of the guard. We dreamed on the same night, he and I, each having a dream with his own interpretation. A young Hebrew was there with us, a servant of the captain of the guard. 
When we told him, he interpreted our dreams to us, given an interpretation to each man according to his dream. And as he interpreted to us, so it came about. I was restored to my office, and the baker was hanged. Well, Pastor, we, we get to this point, and now it's not just a few people. This is Pharaoh who's having dreams, and he wants interpretation. How would you break down these first 14 verses? 13. Well, I would first, um, so verses 1 through 7 um, is, is a rendition of Pharaoh's dreams. And uh, um, I think interpreting them comes later. Uh, so I, I think I will let that happen, let it come later. Mm-hmm. Although there's one thing I would like to say. I think it's kind of weird that cows eat cows and stalks eat stalks. There's something <laughs> kind <true>. of yeah. <laughs> thoughtful about what that might mean, even though we don't really get an interpretation of what that mm-hmm. might mean, yeah. although there are some things to think about. So, um, But I do like in verse 8, so in the morning his spirit was troubled, that is Pharaoh, and uh, he sent and called for all the magicians of Egypt and its wise men. And uh, thinking about uh, who Pharaoh is and uh, the fact that really he identifies himself as God of Egypt and that these um, magicians and wise men actually serve him. Um, And uh, that relationship is obviously defining um so pharaoh is uh the authority the ruler these people uh serve him and so his spirit is troubled and he goes to his servants and asks them um to help him out to help with the interpretation of the dream and uh i also think it's interesting to think about uh his spirit why would his spirit be troubled Mm -hmm. obviously the dreams themselves have some a tenuous nature to them um, that could create some um, uh, unevenness in your in your thoughts. Uh, but having Pharaoh's spirit troubled is an intriguing thing to think about. And tell us why that's intriguing that his spirit was troubled. Because he's not someone who believes in the Lord, right. and uh, and that indicates that, um, and especially since he calls himself. God, that would indicate that uh, he is a part of the influence of the demonic, part of the influence of false spirits, and uh, I, um, that kind of um, we do not fight against flesh and blood, but but against the powers and spiritualities of this dark world. It is interesting to me mm-hmm. as you mentioned that, because in today's world. I want to say maybe 10 years ago, this is really hot and heavy, is you had a lot of movies that young people, and I, I'll admit that it kind of perked my interest as well, is a lot about the the spiritual world out there and to try to find answers. So yeah, like movies like Paranormal Activity, um, a few other movies that really perked an interest in our culture that kind of went to that understanding of, okay, here's something weird happening. Let's go find a psychic Let's go find someone who interprets dreams or magicians and let's go to them. And the last person or people that they searched out was, for example, a priest or a pastor of some sort or the word of God as their source. And so this is nothing new. I mean, this is something that's been going on from the beginning. Right. 
Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. The, the seeking out of truth in all the wrong places. Yeah, so. or, and, and as it says in Second Timothy 3, uh, you know, that they, they will give what their itching ears want to hear. And that's not just right. like false preachers, you know, ones that aren't preaching the word of God, but also blatant anti-word of God people as well. Right. So you can find them. They're there. Um, so so it, his his spirit is troubled. He's find, trying to find answers in all the wrong places. And all of a sudden, the chief cupbearer who did not remember him in chapter 40, all of a sudden remembers. Any, any thoughts on that with a cupbearer? He all of a sudden remembers this guy who helped him in the past. Any thoughts? Yeah, he's a politician. He's like, uh, <laughs> so he, he knows when to bring it to bear. Right. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think he, um, selective forgetfulness maybe yeah. uh, might be considered that. But yeah, maybe, or maybe best construction, he actually, it strikes him as something that he experienced and, um, and uh, himself, his life was impacted by that experience and suddenly it's brought back up to him because there's a comparison between uh, what's going on uh, now and what went on then. That's a good way to end it because we can't start with a pessimistic move like, oh, now I can benefit from this, so therefore I remember it. Or just like you and I, or I should say myself, uh, you know, like, oh, you know what? This does, ding, 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 this does sound familiar from the past. So maybe we want to be right. more positive, not be so <laughs> pessimistic <Maybe>. to begin. <laughs> maybe. So. so, Pastor, it ends, and I found this interesting, and I don't know if there's any wider meaning to it, but it just ends in an awkward way. And as he interpreted to us, so it came about, I was restored and the baker was hanged. And you're like, oh, my, that's a horrible story. Um, so it just kind of brings us back to this reality of life that that not all stories end with this great ending. And, and that's what Genesis brings to us is real people, real situations that – um, you know, if someone reads the Bible and says it's rainbows and unicorns and there's no, there's not real life. I mean, it's pretty clear that this was real life and they were not trying to hide anything from us. Any thoughts on that or anything else in those first 13 verses? Yeah. Well, I mean, I brought in politics and, um, if we look at politics in any time and in any geography, um, it gets really messy. And I think we see messiness here. Uh, that's being had 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 been expressed and had been given, um, and we never know how it's going to uh, work out. We never know um, why things necessarily happen, um, but I think as God's people, um, we can look at the scriptures, like you said, and realize that it, life is messy, and God engages in that messiness. And he does what he wants to do in that messiness. And he knows how to figure things out in that messiness. And, um, and we can look to him and trust him. And then in the end, say, thank you, Lord, for what you accomplished. Well, and that in mind, let's keep, let's keep reading. I'm ready to keep moving forward. Are you? Yep. All right. So verse 14. Then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph, and they quickly brought him out of the pit. And when he had shaved himself and changed his clothes, he came in before Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, I have, a, I have had a dream, and there's no one who can interpret it. I have heard it said of you that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. 
And Joseph answered Pharaoh, It is not me. God will give Pharaoh a favorable answer. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Behold, in my dream I was standing on the banks of the Nile. Seven cows, plump and attractive, came up out of the Nile and fed in the reed grass. Seven other cows came up after them, poor and very ugly and thin, each such as I had never seen in all the land of Egypt. And the thin, ugly cows ate up the first seven plump cows. But when they had eaten them, no one would have known that they had eaten them, for they were still as ugly as the beginning. Then I awoke. I also saw in the dream seven ears growing on one stalk, full and good. Seven ears, withered, thin, and blighted by the east wind, sprouted after them. And the thin ears swallowed up the seven good ears. And I told it to the magicians, but there was no one who could explain it to me. Now, Pastor, I'm going to stop here for this reason. When I mentioned verse 13, it was the chief cupbearer who said, he interpreted the dream. In this dream, I was restored and the baker was hanged. As I was reading this, it made me realize this. Did Pharaoh not think about how, okay, well, that worked for the chief cupbearer, but if I tell him this dream, I might be the baker in this situation. I never thought about that. Right. <laughs> so this is this is relatively dangerous for him to present this dream. He must have been very troubled by this, uh, or else he would not have actually brought him in. That's something that just hit, hit me in the heart there as I read this. Other thoughts you have so, on the verses? So you, you're in case Pharaoh would have been troubled um, by what the uh, – uh, cupbearer told him. Right, right. Would, yeah. You would think. No, I would agree. You would think. What, and, and yes, uh, if, if a dream has a negative outcome and there's a history of that, I would agree. That would create some hesitancy, I think, on the part of Pharaoh. And uh, um, so um, Joseph does say uh, some important words mm-hmm. to Pharaoh that will that seemed to strike Pharaoh um, maybe in a good way, but maybe not. Uh, he, he says, it is not in me. God will give Pharaoh a favorable answer. So Joseph is doing something here that is quite uh, instructive, I think, for us, especially with regard to the rest of the Bible. And he's pointing to the fact that this is not him. Uh, this is, in fact, God. And uh, so the interpretation that the Pharaoh will receive is an interpretation from God. And if you think, as Pharaoh did, that you're God, that could create other kinds of problems uh, also in, uh, in how he looks at what the interpretation says. And he, yeah, he does give that assurance that when I interpret the stream, God will give you a favorable answer. So obviously there was some, some connection um, there as well, which would have given Pharaoh some sense of... of uh, how do you say it? comfort to know yeah. that this, this will not, this, I will not end up being the baker in the situation. At least that would be as best as he could explain. But then we just hear the story again, which is interesting. I just thought about this too. You have a cannibal. So you have the, uh, um, the cows are cannibals, I guess. And I don't know what you would call a stock eating another stock. It's not a cannibal. No, that's a I weird image. <laughs> and there's, there's an addition. If you look at, the first, re- the first uh, description of the dreams that comes to us in the first part of 41, um, it, it does not include, um, and the thin, ugly cloud, 
cows ate up the first seven plump cows, but when they had eaten them, no one would have known that they had eaten them, for they were still as ugly as at the beginning, and then I awoke. Um, that, that part about still um, not looking like they had eaten is an interesting addition. Hmm. Uh, whenever there's an addition that like makes me think, but I don't know what to think of it. So, Well, I don't either. If you, our listeners, have any theories on that, send us an email, kfuo at kfuo.org, kfuo at kfuo.org. Otherwise, yeah, that boy, I, that might, boy, that might distract me the whole study here. So we'll see what God does through that. But otherwise, it, it was kind of the same story um, repeated back to us, which is good. I tend to forget things quickly. But anything else, Pastor? Uh, up to twenty-four. Oh, I think that's it. All right. You know what? I think it's time. I'm going to take a break right now. We are studying Genesis chapter forty-one with. Pastor Matthew Tuman, and we'll be right back. This is the voice of a mother in the faraway country of Georgia, reading to her six-month-old son about Jesus from a Bible storybook written in the Georgian language. The child's Bible was given to her by the Lutheran Heritage Foundation, and the Holy Spirit is working powerfully through your support of LHF to make events like these happen every day. Help another family learn of the Savior. Learn how at lhfmissions.org. And welcome back. We are studying Genesis chapter 41 with Pastor Matthew Tuman of Emmanuel Lutheran Church in Wapaton, North Dakota. Pastor, we've we've gotten, I mean, this is the, the great thing about this is I know for me, when I hear a story, I can bring it together very well. Now, when I get when I get to like uh, uh, the epistles or other parts of scripture where it's very doctrinal, it doesn't sink in the brain quite as much. So I need to read to think. And so here we've had the story, we've had it rehashed at us, and it really is a, um, a memorable situation. But we also have to remember that this is descriptive. This is not prescriptive. So we have to be careful that if, uh, if I have a dream tonight, I call Pastor Tuman tomorrow and say, what do you think? And Pastor's like, well, I just read Genesis chapter 41, that we can interpret dreams just like Joseph. Uh, why is that important that we don't necessarily see that as a one-to-one or a prescriptive reality for us? Because we live in a different day. Um, we live in, well, you greeted me uh, uh, with, uh, um, this is Pentecost. Uh, we, we live in Pentecost. Um, we live in the time of the church. We live in the time where the Holy Spirit has gathered the church together. Um, we live in a time where the apostles have written um, books of the Bible, and we have the record of who Jesus is and what Jesus did. Um, we have the epistles that Paul wrote that expand and extend uh, the witness of Jesus um, as he said he would in uh, uh, at the uh, end of John, and uh, um, so you know, uh, I think maybe the need for uh, these kind of miraculous words from God 
um, is kind of mitigated by the fact that we have the Word of God in our hands, that we can go to and uh, we can hear that Word of God preached, uh, we can read it in the Scripture, we can have it in our devotional lives. Uh, this is where God's Word comes to us today, uh, comes to us um, through the Bible, through the Word of God, as the Holy Spirit works. Well, let's hear more as you say that of, well, this descriptive story of the Lord providing for his people. Verse 25. Then Joseph said to Pharaoh, the dreams of Pharaoh are one. God has revealed to Pharaoh what he is about to do. The seven good cows are seven years, and the seven good ears are seven years. The dreams are one. The seven lean and ugly cows that came up after them are seven years. And the seven empty ears blighted by the east wind are also seven years of famine. It is as I told Pharaoh. God has shown to Pharaoh what he is about to do. There will come seven years of great plenty throughout all the land of Egypt. But after them, there will arise seven years of famine. And the plenty will be forgotten in the land of Egypt. The famine will consume the land and the Plenty will be unknown in the land by reason of the famine that will follow, for it will be very severe. And the doubling of Pharaoh's dream means that the thing is fixed by God, and God will shortly bring it about. Now therefore, let Pharaoh select a discerning and wise man and set him over the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh proceed to appoint overseers over the land and take one-fifth of the produce of the land of Egypt during the seven plentiful years, and let them gather all the food of those good years that are coming and store up grain under the authority of Pharaoh for food in the cities and let them keep it. That food should be a reserve for the land against the seven years of famine that are to occur in the land of Egypt, so that the land may not perish through the famine." Well, God has a plan, and <laughs> it is it is quite extensive. It always makes me wonder when I read this, what was Pharaoh thinking this whole time? Like, oh, no, this is not good. I don't want to go through the famine. Or, wow, this God is someone that I want to believe in. Or, I'm not going to believe this at all. I mean, the thoughts that go through his mind must have just been racing this whole explanation. Anything you want, what do you want to do to break this down? Well, I, I agree that uh, you said this is God's plan, and what a plan it is. Um, and uh, I think that, that idea, uh, verse 32, and the doubling of Pharaoh's dream, meaning he has, uh, he has the cows and he has the stocks, and they mean the same thing, um, is fixed. It shows that it, this is, thing is fixed by God, and God will shortly bring it about. So the fact that this is God's plan and that he is going to affect this, um, is part of the communication uh, that is occurring. And uh, it demonstrates there's an authority um, that is greater than Pharaoh, and Pharaoh is going to, uh, if he doesn't recognize it now, he's going to shortly, at least in seven years, remember it. So, And, it, I mean, it's so, it's so detailed that, it'd be almost impossible to say, well, even if, let's just say that Pharaoh's like, mm, I don't know if this is going to happen. It's a good plan. Um, this is something where uh, it's a good plan for, for you and I to have a savings plan of our finances, of our resources, to have that savings plan, not only for the sake of, 
of that we have it on hand in preparation, but also for the sake of our neighbor. So God is also providing for the for Pharaoh, for the Egyptians to be taken care of during a very difficult time. And that's one insight I read in one of an article on this is that not only was God kind of lifting this up so that Joseph one day would be with his brothers, and this is how God did it, but also he gave Pharaoh the opportunity to serve his neighbor. And that's a good reminder for us too as we try to lovingly to care for others as our Lord calls us to. Anything else you want to highlight in this, Pastor? No, I, I like that. Uh, yeah, I was actually talking about the plan that God was going to effect with regard to uh, to good years and famine years. Right. Um, but yes, he does extend um, uh, through Joseph uh, a plan for satisfying the needs uh, of people and showing how uh, people are involved in the process of um, God's provision for people. So, mm. Well, and that's, yeah. it, it continues to go, uh, give us this day our daily bread. Uh, it just shows how God does provide for his people, and that's why we keep praying for it. So, Pastor, anything else before we move on? Does, I mean, this this is, gets more and more fun. Any Anything else? I uh, just want to emphasize, Pharaoh is getting a lesson in his own identity, and he needs to learn it. So. <laughs> that's exactly right. So. Uh, we pray for that same for us as well as we look exactly. at it. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. The same thing. So, actually, uh. I'll bring this up now. Um, one of the things that, uh, obviously in Matthew, Jesus deals with, uh, um, the Pharisees who think they have an identity and, uh, there's a certain striking words that, uh, um, that gets spoken in Matthew 11. Um, but to what shall I compare this generation? It is like children sitting in the marketplaces and calling to their playmates. We played the flute for you, and you did not dance. We sang a dirge, and you did not mourn. For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say, He has a demon. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, Look at him, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Yet wisdom is justified by her deeds. And how often do all of us fall into Pharaoh's mindset of, Well, I'm going to do things my way. And not only am I going to do things my way, I'm going to try to make God do things that I think he ought to do somehow. Well, and I think this comes up <laughs> later on also in our text. Oh, it's very convicting. Um, very convicting, Pastor. No doubt about it. That, Lord, give us give us eyes of faith. Give us hearts to believe. Give us ears that will listen. As And, and this all goes back to what you said at the beginning is, that uh, the word of God is needed to be given because, while well, we have hard hearts and we pray the Holy Spirit will open all, open us up to be able to believe and confess the truth of God's word. Right. Anything else you want to share on that? I, I, I appreciate that. And, and sometimes uh, he disciplines us. Hebrews chapter 12, uh, he disciplines his uh, us as sons. And if he didn't, we would be illegitimate sons. And so we can know that when the that when uh, we experience uh, some of life's turmoils, the Lord will use that uh, in order to train us as His disciples. But yeah, the Word of God, though, um, every day we need it. Amen to that. So let's keep digging into that Word of God, verse thirty-seven. This proposal pleased Pharaoh and all his servants. 
And Pharaoh said to his servants, Can we find a man like this in whom is the Spirit of God? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Since God has shown you all this, there is none so discerning and wise as you are. You shall be over my house, and all my people shall order themselves as you command. Only as regards the throne will I be greater than you. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, See, I have set you over the land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took his signet ring from his hand and put it on Joseph's hand, and clothed him in garments of fine linen and put a a gold chain around his neck. And he made him ride in his second chariot. And they called out before him, Bow the knee. Thus he set him over the land of Egypt. Moreover, Pharaoh said to Joseph, I am Pharaoh, and without your consent, no one shall lift up the hand or foot in all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh called Joseph's name Zaphonath paneah and he gave him in marriage Asenath, the daughter of Potipharah, priest of On. So Joseph went out over the land of Egypt. So we have that moment where Pharaoh is pleased. He's pleased at this. And he confesses God. So can we find a man like this in whom is the spirit of God? And so it, well, this is progress. I mean, I think this is progress. Um, yeah, so from his, from his spirit being troubled to him desiring uh, to find a man like this in whom the spirit of God, uh, in whom is the spirit of God. Yeah, that's a big move that has occurred in Pharaoh's life. At the same time, uh, you know, we learned this also in Exodus. It isn't exactly um, that this feral lineage kept going in a positive direction by any stretch. Uh, but, but right now, he definitely sees God language, and he promotes Joseph. I was thinking about this, that Joseph, there must have been a moment where he's like, yep, I've been in this before. Um, I was ahead of Potiphar's house. I was doing pretty well yep. until Potiphar's wife, you know, I was doing pretty well in the jail too until they didn't give me any credit and, and all this. And so here he is, how much pessimism, well, I should say, I would have the pessimism. I think we've agreed upon that today. The pessimism comes out of me, but yet he gets promoted, not just a little bit. We're talking, he's not a manager. He is basically next in kin, king to the king. So Pastor, uh, Pastor what are your thoughts on this, um, uh, this promotion for Joseph? So, so as much movement as has happened in Pharaoh's life, I still think Pharaoh has delusions of grandeur. Um, uh, maybe, um, maybe it is challenged, and maybe he's realizing that it is challenged. Um, but the fact that this kind of records that Pharaoh, um, uh, he stays on his throne, uh, you know, He's in charge of Joseph still. Uh, he's still in charge of uh, how, uh, how Joseph acts, even though he's given a lot of leeway uh, to Joseph. He's the one who's still in charge. He can still command. He can still command the one in whom is the Spirit of God. And I think there's still that little, that, that bit of uh, desire of control uh, as a, as a God-man, uh, that Pharaoh still uh, retains. I just found that interesting that it was recorded that he uh, uh, 
kept his throne and made that was a point that is made. Ah, uh, good point. Yeah, and that's boy. I once had a member. She told me because she was going through some physical struggles, and she said, "You know what, Pastor? A lot of times, what I do," she said. I will give what I have to the Lord, and it's almost like before it's in the Lord's hands, I quick take it back because I'm not quite sure if he can handle it, which for me I thought was a great, great rendition of a lot of our lives, including my own, where we want to give it to God, but I'll just kind of keep a little sliver of it because I'm not 100% sure if God can handle this. Any thoughts on that, Pastor? I I want to retain control of my life. I I think (laughs) this is part of, uh, sinful humanity. Um, not that we were created sinful, but we have become sinful, and, and this is a big part of it. I can be God of my own life, and I don't want to give things up. I like being in charge and in control and being self-determining, and I want that. And if I give it up to the Lord, if I acknowledge the Lord's authority in my life in, in, completely, I give that up, and, um, and we don't like that. We want to be like God. That is the the crux of all of our sin, um, uh, is to be in charge of my own life. When in reality, I am not really in charge of my own life, even if I think I am. I'm into that. So Pharaoh was not in charge of his own life. He still he still thought he was though. And uh, I, I'm I'm definitely convicted throughout all of this. So before we go too far into um, judging Pharaoh. It's good for yeah. us to remember ourselves in the text as well. And we're in it, we're in it with him. Absolutely, yep. absolutely. So, Pastor, this is kind of a fun Bible study question. But Pharaoh got a new name. I mean, for for Jacob, when he was called Israel, that I mean, there's a very clear understanding as we keep going through Scripture that these will be the Israelites. These are God's people that God, I mean, we can use baptismal regeneration understanding. God gives us a new name. We see all these connections through it. We are the new Israel, um, it, 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 Israel down to one, and Jesus. I mean, we have all these beautiful connections when they change the name. But with Joseph, uh, what's the significance? I mean, it's kind of a confusing name. And uh, any thoughts on Pharaoh, uh, uh, Joseph's new name? Uh, so I looked for it, and I did see that there have been some people who have tried to break the Hebrew down realizing that it is a transliteration from the Egyptian to the Hebrew. And there's some uh, people who have admitted that when uh, the people of Israel did this kind of transliteration, they took a lot of liberties with the spellings and sounds and things like that so that it becomes nearly unrecognizable. Mm-hmm. But there have been some things where they broke it down, and um, some there are some scholars who think uh, um, that, uh, it means the God speaks and he lives, um, or the revealer of secrets. But the more I look at all this, the more I'm like, we just don't have a clue. So um, I'm almost willing to let it go and let it be, um, even though I am intrigued by the potential of what it could be. I don't know that we have enough information. Yeah, and that's one of the struggles that that I've encountered with this as well, is you read a faithful commentary, and they might give you three, four different options. And for this one especially, like you said, there's there's like, okay, that's interesting. Oh, that's interesting. At the end of the day, it's a big and hearty, I don't know. So, yep. um, 
Yeah, and and plus later on, it isn't like from Joseph comes the uh, Panaeanites, you know, and and then all of a sudden we see language in the New Testament of the Panaeanites or something along those lines. It just doesn't give it to us, and that's where I know my pastor um, in college would always say, "Well, obviously God doesn't want us to know more." So that, I think that's a fair way to say it. I think it is, since he didn't put it in the Bible. So, yeah. <laughs> that's right. So, <laughs> talk about interpret. Talk about interpretive hermeneutical process. Absolutely, so, absolutely. Yep. So let's continue on. Verse forty-six. Joseph was thirty years old when he entered the service of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And Joseph went out from the presence of Pharaoh and went through all the land of Egypt. During the seven plentiful years, the earth produced abundantly. And he gathered up all the food of those seven years, which occurred in the land of Egypt, and put the food in the cities. He put in every city the food from the fields around it. And Joseph stored up grain in great abundance, like the sand of the sea, until he ceased to measure it, for it could not be measured. Before the year of famine came, two sons were born to Joseph, Asenath, the, the daughter of Potipharah, priest of On, bore them to him. Joseph called the first name, the name of the firstborn Manasseh. For he said, God has made me forget all my hardship in all my father's house. The name of the second he called Ephraim. For God has made me fruitful in the land of my affliction. So right now, things are looking really good. I mean, it's plentiful. Um, you don't have stocks eating stocks or cows eating cows or any of that kind of stuff. But you do have the prophecy fulfilled, which I know for me, Pastor, if, if they were to say, well, there will be seven years of famine or there'll be famine later on, I would get caught up in saying, yeah, but you know what? For now, let's just, let's just enjoy this. I'm just going to enjoy this the best of my ability. But Joseph doesn't do that. Um, he is able to remember the promises of God. Your thoughts? Well, yes, absolutely. He doesn't set aside what God said. He, he believes what God said, um, and he follows through with his responsibility that he's given to help provide food for the time when there will be famine, and he trusts the Lord that what he said will come true, that there will be a famine, and he does not sit back on his laurels and just rest in in the abundance he works at it and then from there comes once again how god provides that before the famine even came it was the lord who blessed him with two sons and i love the ending and this is something that i know you've seen as a pastor um uh, it, when you visit somebody who says god has made me fruitful in the land of my affliction just showing that you know when when a, there's a, a birth of a child and you're able to visit them, and obviously a baptism, we're able to say there's so much joy, and you see that joy here, um, that in the midst of all of these struggles, uh, the Lord truly does provide in the life that was given. So, Pastor, any thoughts on, on that just wonderful nugget in the middle of all this? I No, I just agree with you. Um, um, life can be very complex. Life can be very confusing. Um, we know the Word of God. We know what the Word of God says. Um, we know uh, the revelation of the way He wants us to live as His children, and yet we see the world around us. Um, but then we also look and see there are blessings here, 
as much as we look and see the struggle of this life, as much as we look and see uh, the troubles and tribulations of this life, God still engages and he still gives blessings and gifts as significant as uh, family and children. Um, these are um, things that God does that sometimes blow us away. Well, what's uh, anything else up to verse 52? Nope. Let's keep moving forward. We'll get to the end of our text. We have about six minutes left in our time. 53. The seven years of plenty that occurred in the land of Egypt came to an end. And the seven years of famine began to come, as Joseph had said. There was famine in all the lands, but in the land of Egypt there was bread. When the land of Egypt was famished, the people cried to Pharaoh for bread. Pharaoh said to the Egyptians, go to Joseph. What he says to you, do. So when the famine had spread over all the land, Joseph opened up the storehouses and sold to the Egyptians for the famine was severe in the land of Egypt. Moreover, all the earth came to Egypt to Joseph to buy grain because the famine was severe over all the earth. So this ends up being, you know, that the, well, the prophecy was true. So you could see Pharaoh saying, well, there it is. Uh, you kind of wish that God would have, or that Moses, by the power of the Holy Spirit, would have included in here that that the famine happened, and then Pharaoh confessed the Lord God as the one true God and believed and you know lived out this wonderful Lord believing life. But we don't get that, of course. You know, no, nope. you can't add to it, anyways. But <laughs> but there, it shows that it came true. And it sets up the scenario later on for Joseph's brothers. But what do you want? How do you want to highlight this as we get to our last few minutes? So I can't help but kind of go somewhat Christological on this mm. uh, on this grain. Um, the Lord gave to Abraham a promise, you know, hundreds of years at this point uh, before this that uh, all the nations of the world would be blessed through his descendants and there would, and that he would have many offspring. And, uh, you know, we know he's talking about Jesus, um, who is the bread of life and, uh, that, uh, that all nations would be blessed. And we see all nations here coming, uh, uh, to Joseph and asking for Egypt's, uh, plenty. Um, and being blessed by that. And uh, we have Jesus uh, who has prepared for us our salvation, who has prepared for us our bread. And it is for all people of all nations. He didn't store it up just for himself or just for a select group, but he stored up himself for all people. And um, I think realizing that I think this is a reflection of, what is yet to come that is greater than uh, even this uh, event in Joseph's life. And it's a great reminder for us that, you know, we have that language of that he emptied himself for us in the epistles. And I think that's a great reminder for us. What we tend to do when we get something is that we will act as if that I'm storing this away for the sake of, you know, um, 
something worthy, you know, kind of like the, the perfume. And she, she poured all this perfume on Jesus. And they're like, well, that could have been used for the poor. Like we, we act like, okay, that's what it was for. But a lot of times it's just like, well, I, and then, and then I can just kind of feel like that I'm more comfortable. And, and part of it is a lack of faith. And so we ask the Lord, Lord, help me to trust, to be good stewards while remembering how the Lord emptied himself for us and didn't store himself away somewhere else, but came with the incarnation for our salvation. And I love, I love in 56 here, Pastor, too, is it says, Joseph opened all the storehouses and sold to the Egyptians, and around the whole earth uh, came and searched out uh, to buy grain from the Egyptians. And it, one thing it doesn't say, that I might have thought it would say is, and Pharaoh and Joseph made loads of cash. It doesn't say that. Nope. <laughs> which which might be what we would do in the same scenario. Other thoughts? I am reminded also of like something like Luke 16, um, where the Lord teaches that we should use worldly wealth uh, to make friends for heaven. Jesus is the one who does that absolutely the best. Mm. Um, he uses his entirety. He sheds his divine glory. He dies on a cross to pay the price for sins. He uses all of his wealth in order to make you and me and all uh, those who come to believe his friends who will greet him in heaven. And um, we just get to follow along in that, that we can uh, utilize our worldly gifts and exercise them uh, for uh, the benefit of others, but with an eye toward the salvation of people that we would leverage our worldly wealth to proclaim God's word, that other people would know Jesus and receive from him his gifts. Pastor, with about a minute left in our time, how would you summarize this chapter and encourage our listeners in Christ? Um, God has a plan. Sometimes we like what he has. Um, uh, put before us. Um, sometimes what is right in front of us is difficult and challenging, um, but he knows where he's going, and he knows how he will deliver his people, and we can trust him uh, with his process and what he does. Um, life is not always comfortable. Uh, life is not all, always go the way we think it ought to. Um, but God engages in life, and he does what he desires in order to produce the good that he desires. Pastor Matthew Tuman of Emmanuel Lutheran Church in Wapaton, North Dakota, giving us God's strong word from Genesis chapter 41. Pastor Tuman, thank you for bringing us his gifts. Thank you. I'm your host, Pastor Brady Finner, District President of the Minnesota North District of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. We're having a great time throughout Genesis, so keep listening as we plow through to the end. Thank you for joining us, and the Lord keep you safe in the palm of his hand.